Oh, it's on now? Hmm. I don't see it. Oh, okay. Yeah, we'll fix that later. Maybe. All right, the challenge of prayer, part five. The challenge of prayer, part five. You know, we, we've said last week, uh, there's no microwave prayers. You know, take your time. The important thing is the prayer before the prayer. And you remember Deuteronomy 6, talking about teaching your children for when they go to bed, when they get up, when they're at the table, when they're on a the walk, when they're on the road, everywhere. And that was the Father teaching Jesus. And just in that same manner, He teaches, he teaches us. So I'm going to go back to 1 John chapter 5 and kind of go look at that again. 1 John chapter 5 verse 14. And this is the confidence that we have in Him. That if we ask anything according to His will, He heareth us. I'm telling you, there's a little word there, just uh, confidence. And You know, um, I was talking to a guy this morning, and it's, uh, he was telling me he knows this guy who has panic attacks. Do you know anybody that has panic attacks? Do you realize that, that today there are so many people who have panic attacks? I really can't say I've ever had a panic attack. So I'm not, you know, I get nervous about some things, but I guess there is a real thing as a, a panic attack. Now, and I'm not talking people out in the world. I'm talking church people, you know, panic attack. And, and I'm no psychologist. I don't know where these things stem from, but I could imagine just the word panic uh, would just be a panic about everything, you know, in, in a situation where they get, you know, maybe hyperventilating, pulse rate fast, just the whole nine yards. Maybe you, you guys know more about it than me. John says we have confidence. You know, panic attack and confidence don't go together. I mean, do you understand? And my goodness, how many people truly know the Lord? Truly know. I mean, we sing the song and it all sounds good, the way the chorus and the melodies fit together. He's a good, good father. But do you know that? I'm telling you, I've lived around many people who do not know that. And I ask them, where's your gospel? What is the good news? What can you stand before the people and tell them? Is your gospel, you're going to hell? Your life is hell? God's going to bust you up? And I mean... I'm not, I get that enough. That's not gospel to me. God is not withholding any good thing from you. I mean, His desire, He means you well. 
Do we not get that? And he means you well in the worst of times. Do we not know that? When you have, thank God, thank himself, he means us well when we do the worst. What was the worst? We nailed his son to the cross. Can you get much more worse than that? Pulled his beard out, spit in his face, beat him to a pulp. And his dying words, Father, forgive them. If that's not revealing the heart of God, I don't, I don't know what else, you know. I, we have this confidence. And see, I want to bring about, I want to remind you as, the, as these apostles did, of this confidence that we can have in prayer. Confidence that when we pray, we know He hears us. Do you know so many people don't realize God hears them? That's why they come to a preacher, somebody else they think is closer to God. I hope God will hear their prayer. They're closer. You can't get any closer than Christ in you and you in Him. You can't. According to His will. Jesus even said it's the Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Do you know what that means? His good desire to give you the kingdom. The kingdom of heaven. This elusive thing that everybody is trying to figure out. You've already been translated in it. And it was the fun. He, he laughed when he did it. Full of joy. I mean he wasn't sitting there thinking. I don't know Bev. It was his good pleasure. His good pleasure. He wants to reveal his heart to us. So what is his will? Psalm 2 for us to ask. Ask, he says, ask. For the son to ask what the son had won. What he had earned. You know... Uh, Things could be mistaken, so he's asked this person this question. You know, it says all scriptures, all scripture is given by inspiration of God. It's profitable for doctrine, corrections, reproof, instructions in righteousness. I asked the question, what does this mean, instructions in righteousness? And I know how a lot of people take it. This is where the mindset is. They think that means so I can go out and do righteous stuff. That's not what it means. Instructions in righteousness. This is instructing you how God through the finished work of Jesus Christ has made you righteous. You don't do go do righteous things. You are righteous. He who knew no sin was made to be sin that you might be made righteous. The righteousness of God. But you see, that's the way. So, so it's a law mentality. It's an old covenant mentality. Oh, so the Bible tells me all the things I got to do to go be righteous. I mean, Paul would have worded it that way, wouldn't he? He would have said, uh, for, uh, I don't know how he would have worded, instructions uh, in, to do things to be righteous. He said instructions in righteousness. 
Every week we come and we proclaim to the people the gospel, the good news. Guess what Christ has done? Look what Christ has done. Look what he's accomplished. But people lay the boundaries out there and say, if you'll do this, then you can have this. If you do this, you'll have... And it's like, he's done it. He has done it. I mean, that's the good news in it. Gospel is good news. Confidence. If we ask anything according to His will, He heareth us. Anything that was accomplished in the shedding of the blood of Jesus Christ, anything that is done and finished by the resurrection, that is the will of God. God doesn't have to have another committee meeting. It was settled before time began. It was done in time at the cross and resurrection. It is so. It is done. I asked people, what is the finished work of Christ? He said, it's finished. What is it? Does he have to do another work? Do you have to do something? Is it Jesus plus? People are slow to believe that Jesus did anything at the cross. I always go back. I mean, talking to my real good friend, Brother Jeff, and, and, and uh, used to frustrate him all the time. And he says, it don't matter what you ask, Brother Jimmy. He's always going to say it's summed up in Jesus Christ. He said, no, I want an answer. I said, he is the answer. But he said, now I see it all. I mean, he's it. He's the center. He's the circumference. He's the alpha, the omega, the beginning, the end. It's all in the middle. It's all about him. And I still yet to this day always brings me back to the cross. I mean, before we're going to live in Romans 7 and Romans 8, we need to go back and live in Romans 6. Know ye not that as many of you were baptized into Christ were what? Baptized into His death, buried with Him, raised with Him to walk in the newness of life. Reckon yourself dead indeed unto sin, but alive unto God through Jesus Christ our Lord. He did it. I mean, truth is, the sin question has been dealt with. Has it not? I mean, this big question, how, God, are you going to deal with man's rebellion? He did it right there. John, the baptizer, said, behold, the Lamb of God. There's the answer. Him, the guy from Nazareth, the one we sang about, silent night, holy night, Jesus Christ, the Lord. They sang hallelujah. He's answered the question. To most, the question is not answered. If the question is not answered, pray tell me how you can pray with confidence. I got a big question there, don't I? I mean, I don't know. I mean, uh, the fervent prayers of a sinful man availeth much. Y'all must have read your Bibles. The fervent prayers of a righteous man availeth much. Well, how did we get there? We got to answer that question, don't we? We got to go back and answer that question so that we can have confidence and know that when we pray, He hears us. Not shooting in the dark here. I, got, I mean, I have to know that, that He has broken the chain that have held the human race in, in bondage to the dominion of darkness since Adam fell. He broke them. Man was a slave to sin. You know, I mean, picture that. I mean, that's where man was. He was a slave 
to sin. Those chains are gone. We, we sing songs like break every chain, break every chain. I want to jump up. Listen, I love the music. The songs are great, but the doctrine is terrible. He broke them. I don't have to come to somebody and say, God is about to break the chains in your life. I want to say, hang on a minute. Let me take you back to the cross and show you. And now let me give you some real good news. He's already broke the chains. Paul says in, in 2 Corinthians, he said, When Moses is read, the same veil is upon their heart as it was then. But when it, when, what is it? The heart shall turn. I want to say, hey brother, come and see. Your chains are broke. They're gone. Jesus has done it. It's finished. This ain't about to theology. This is its finished theology. It's done. The light of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ has shone in the darkness. Shined in the face of Jesus Christ. We have this treasure. This treasure. Do you get it? We have this treasure in earthen vessels. My goodness. Because of that, when I come to pray for the, for the lost, I don't have to ask, is he worthy? I don't have to ask, is he predestinated? Did, did, did Jesus die for him? I know Jesus died for the world. And in that knowing, I can come with authority. Right? I mean, how many, you know, I, I know some people who believe uh, the cross was only for some end time salvation for a few certain people and everything else. I can have no confidence to pray for somebody that's outside of that canon. I can come in full confidence and authority and pray for the world, right? I mean, in what authority? I know this one that I'm praying for, that the blood of the precious blood of Jesus Christ was shed for him. Especially if those people are, have been put in front of you. Remember, I'm always telling you. You know, there's so much doctrine out there today about, oh, if you've got bad people in your life and, and you know what they mean, these people. Why does God put them in front of your life? He puts them there so you'll pray because he wants to. He doesn't, he, it's not God's will that any should perish, but all come to the knowledge of God so why does he put them before you? So we get, we get some weird stuff in our head. So if darkness comes before you, why is that? I mean, you ever, I mean, you know, I can, I can flip on the TV and watch the news and stuff, but does some of that stuff not bother you? Why does it bother you? I mean, who's in you? I mean, some of the stuff doesn't bother me, right? But some of it really bothers me. When I see a, a lunatic man and I see a three-year-old little girl standing on the side of the road at a Christmas parade and watch a lunatic drive down through there hitting and running over and killing people, it bothers me. Do you not see the evils and darkness of this? Well, that's all it is, guys. It's pure evil running rampant. I watched him run by this little girl and my heart just sunk. I couldn't watch anymore. They said, oh, he goes down. I've just seen the little girl standing there. I don't know if you've seen her in a little snowsuit up there in Wisconsin because all the little girls have little snowsuits because it's cold in Wisconsin. It's cold in Michigan. It's, it's the only month that's warm is July and all the rest of the time it's cold. 
I've been there. It's cold. It's very cold. It's cold and then very cold and then very, very, very cold. That's about it. I'm running down the street. I mean, it's, my heart just broke. I say, what is going on? Does it, does it not stir your heart? As I said, when you notice somebody, guess who's looking through your eyes? When you feel a burden for someone else, who's feeling that burden? It's not you. He's in you to establish what he won. So if it's within what Jesus Christ accomplished on the cross, that's the will of God. We're going to be talking about that a little more. Uh, you know, and I told you, everybody's talking about how bad it is. I hope it pricks our heart for an urgency to pray. The prayer before the prayer, you know. I, I'm going to tell you what. You know, he told Moses one time, don't pray this way no more. Moses was praying and praying, and God told him, enough, stop it. And, and, you know, I wonder sometimes, you know, what, what cities are you praying for? What people are you praying for? You know what? I, you know. The will of God. And, and, and also it includes anything that would hinder the proclaiming of the gospel. I want to show you something. And, and this verse, you know how you get verses that just jump up all the page. And this one doesn't have exactly to do with what we're talking about, but it does. Now, here is Paul in Acts chapter 16, and he's in Philippi, city of Macedonia. In verse 13, verse 13, on the Sabbath, we went out of the city by a riverside where prayer was wont to be made. We sat down and spake unto the women which resorted there. So, there was a, a want of prayer, you know. Paul is, he's, he's down there. Now, as it, in verse uh, 16, as it came to pass, as we went to pray, now there was a need for prayer there, right? I mean, this is how the will of God comes about, through prayer. So there was a need to pray there, and a certain damsel, possessed with a spirit of divination, met us, which brought her masters much gain by soothsaying. You know, she's one of them tarot card readings, you know, let me read your palm, I got your crystal ball out, and can tell you all these things. It's kind of strange. I remember, remember Malcolm telling me the story, and I, I think it was maybe in India. And some Christians went over there to establish a church, and they had established the church. And, and they were... You know, lots of people were coming. But after the church service was over, all the people would go down into the courtyards and go to these people to have their fortune told. And they would get mad at them, like, why do you keep going down there to have the fortune told? 
And come to find out, all the stuff that the preachers were teaching them was for way over yonder. It had nothing to do. These people were wondering how they were going to eat that day, how they were going to fend for themselves that day. And the preacher had nothing for them. Everything that he told them about was a glorious heaven, the streets paved with gold way over yonder. These people needed a meal. So they would leave the church and go down there to the fortune tellers so they'd get through the day. You know, there's so many churches that are that way today because they don't know Jesus here in the now, the very presence of God in every situation. This is what we're talking about. There was this damsel here, and you know what she's doing. There was a need for prayer, and she's getting in the middle of it. The same followed Paul and us and cried, saying, These men are the servants of the Most High God, which show unto us the way of salvation. This did she many days, but Paul being grieved. Why was Paul grieved? Because she was hindering his prayer. And he realizes nothing can hinder this. And being grieved, he's upset. Paul turned to the Spirit, I command thee in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And he came out that same hour. So see, I, I know right out of the gate that anything that's going to hinder prayer, hinder the gospel going forth. I don't have to pray about it. I know already what God's will is. And I can speak in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. He said, hey, if you take up serpents, they won't harm you. Why? Because you're preaching the gospel. Paul wasn't going around looking for demon-possessed people. He didn't have a sign up on his church door, demons cast out here. He wasn't going around looking for a fight, but she got in the way. And there was another verse in chapter 17. And, and this just kind of jumped off the page. I, I, I want to read it to you. Uh, Verse 16, chapter 17, verse 16 of Acts. And I thought, my God, this is where we're at. You know, sometimes they just jump up. Now, Paul, now while Paul waited for them at Athens, his spirit was stirred in him when he saw the city wholly given to idolatry. I mean, I could almost say, I can look around and say, I see the whole United States of America wholly given to idolatry. Now, here they had statues set up. They had statues everywhere. We don't necessarily have statues set up, but we do have statues set up. John wrote... Little children, keep yourselves from idols. You know what an idol is? It's not some wood carving. It's, it's a man-made ideal of who you think God is. Get the wrong impression, I guess. Say it that way. And you know what Paul did? I love it. Therefore, disputed he in the synagogue with the Jews and with the devout persons in the market daily with them that would meet with him. 
They called him a babbler. What's this crazy person going to say today? And he proclaimed to them the unknown God and spoke to them of the resurrection. And you know what? Some were converted and stayed with him and some went away and some was mad. But let me tell you something. Uh, The gospel had an effect. Still has an effect. So I know that those things fall in in the, the will of God. I don't have to give it much thought. If anything is hindering the gospel, I can, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, speak to it to be gone, removed, or whatever. The gospel is going forth. And you can be very bold in that signs will be given. Go read Mark. Signs would signs don't go out in front. Signs follow. You know what follow means? That comes behind. As you stand in the midst of unbelievers who don't believe it, who are against it. And guys, I'm going to tell you what. We're living in a world of darkness. We're living in a world of unbelievers. I don't care what Catholic church they go to and what communion they take on Sunday or whatever they say. We're living amongst evil. It is encroaching in every, like cockroaches, in every nook and cranny there is. And I don't know about you, but I'm tired of giving up ground, and I say no more. What about healing? Is healing within that ultimate Well, let me say this way. The the ultimate healing is the resurrection of our bodies. You can take away my pain, but it's only a foretaste of the resurrection body. I believe y'all know that. I mean, we're we're waiting on that, waiting on the redemption of the body, fashioned like His glorious body. So yes, Jesus did heal us, but not to keep us in this current state of corruption forever. We're, we're, all of us are in a state of corruption. I know you guys probably don't believe this, but at one time I didn't have all this blonde in my beard. Well, it was a, had more, it was a different kind of color blonde. So I'll say this, in healing, you need to spend more time listening to the Father. You know, and I know sometimes we can get frustrated, so, so hear me out uh, when we pray for people all the time that, that seemingly don't get healed. You know, before Jesus healed this one guy, he asked him, do you want to be made whole? What a question. I think the arrogance, Jesus, well, you know, this guy's been this way for 38 years. He's got his own placemat right there by the pool of Siloam. And you've got to ask this guy if he wants to be made whole. What kind of question is that? The reason I say be slow, because I want you to realize they may say yes, but do they realize if God heals you, what are you going to do then? I mean, your whole life is centered around you being sick. Do y'all know anybody whose whole life is centered around them being sick? They wouldn't have an identity unless they had something to complain about. How about all the ones that are on a check? I know sometimes you, can't, you say, well, we can't say that. There's a lot of people out there who are on a check that really don't want to be healed. 
Now they may say, can you heal me? But I think, do you really want to be made whole? Because that means you can't park in a blue spot no more and you got to get a job. Right? You know what they'll say? <laughs> I don't really want it. So, I mean, you got to really listen to God. Because there are a lot of people who don't want to be made whole. Their whole identity. I'm telling you the truth. You know, there were towns that Jesus went in. Jesus Christ, filled with the Holy Spirit, could do no mighty works there because of their unbelief. Jesus Christ, the Son of God, could do no mighty works there because they didn't believe. I mean, to, for you to be healed, nobody pities you anymore. Are you sure you want to do that? I don't know. Now, I want you to realize true healing is when you know that you don't need to be healed to find meaning to life. I'm going to say that one more time. True healing is when you know that you don't need to be healed to find meaning to life. And I, have an, I always have an example that, is, that has been set before me. Uh, from when I was a young man on, and many of y'all know, it was what we call her Sister Dottie Plaster. One of the most joyful people I was ever around. She had no legs and two crippled arms. Y'all know who she was. Full of joy. And, and you know what? You, I mean, if you was to just talk, you would never know. You would never know. I mean, if you couldn't see her, you wouldn't know that she was crippled. She was a woman that was full of the love of God. She, did, I, she knew who she was. Her having legs, it didn't matter. She walked in the Lord Jesus Christ. So I will say, if your meaning to life is being sick, then you're not a candidate for healing. You have to come to that point that you know Sick or well, your meaning to life is in the love of God for you and in walking in that love and knowing that love. Doesn't matter, you know. And, and I say this, and, and uh, I, you know, just speaking truth here to you, you know, last year, early this year, I had the COVID. And, and you know, a lot of people, when they have it, they think, think it was a death sentence because they had the death toll on all the TV channels all the time and their numbers are just flicking. Look how many got it. Look how many did. But, you know, I, I was all right. I mean, I, mean, I, I mean, okay, you guys want to pray. That's all good. But I knew I was in the Lord and the Lord was in me. It, did, it, it mattered not. I mean, I'm telling you, it, did, it didn't. It was kind of irrelevant. I felt kind of rough for a few days y'all know it's pretty rough and and uh, it was a good diet because I lost a lot of weight you know found it all and then I found some of y'all's what's going on with that that keeps growing but you know you know what I mean it wasn't like uh, you know I had no burden of this is a death sentence and oh my god that's not my meaning my meaning I found my meaning in the love that God has for me and when he says I'm with you in this here we go. I'm on for it. Let's go. Does that mean we don't pray for everybody? No, we pray for those that are sick and put in, put in our way, put in front of us, of course. 
Yes, Jesus did break the curse of sickness. We lay hands on the sick. Do y'all, when we lay hands on the sick, do y'all expect them to be healed? I mean, I hope, or you don't, don't you dare put your hands on them. Uh, you know, do you do it in this confidence that John said that when we pray, uh, I'm laying hands in confidence here. But what I'm saying is, sometimes in this prayer, we've got to ask these questions. Does the person really want to be made whole? You, do you know what I mean? Do they really want this change of lifestyle? So, and how are you going to know that? We've got to wait. We have to wait before God. Does this person need more than physical healing? Many times you can find a person healed in terms of meaning. And then sometimes they'll get a physical healing uh, on top of that. They're, they're really made whole. Another question, do you want to be healed from the pain so that you can keep on doing the stuff that brings the pain to you? Do you know anybody like that? They want to be healed from the pain and still do the things that bring the pain to them. And I'm going to tell you what, uh, the lifestyle and the diet of Western culture is enough to make anybody sick. And you know what, uh, you ever, you know, sometimes I think I'm going organic. And I'll go to the store and I have this one little old shelf here that's organic. Y'all know what I'm talking about? And everything that's in that tastes terrible. Well, one is because we, we're so used to sweets. And the other thing is, who can afford anything in that little old shelf? So we make it real easy for you to buy sugar-coated sugar. And, that, you know, I mean, I love cereal, but you do realize what you're eating. Sugar-coated sugar. I mean, we put so much poison in our bodies. We all do it in everything that we eat. I mean, everything is full of dead-gone poison. So we need wisdom here. You ever go back and just read the Levitical laws and I think, well, we're not under the laws, but, you know, there are some dietary stuff that would probably do you well, you know, to not eat. You know, we, we go hunting and we, we kill certain animals, we eat certain animals, and certain animals, nah, they're nasty. The things they put in their body. I mean, you know, I'm not... You realize... Chicken is probably the nastiest, dead-gone animal that walks the face of the earth. A chicken. A chicken is a white buzzard. I'm just saying. They're nasty. They taste good. I like chicken. But I'm telling you, they're nasty. I seen somewhere the other day where the average chicken used to be, what, seven or eight pounds or something like that, but now they weigh 20 pounds. 20 pounds. What do you think that is? They're full of hormones. They're full of steroids. Arnold Schwarzenegger chickens. We put a lot of junk in our body. So sometimes when I see people and, and, and to pray for them, I pray for the Lord to take certain taste out of their mouth, certain desires away because the stuff that they're eating is killing them. 
They want to be healed so they can keep eating the same stuff that is killing them. Do, do you understand? I mean, I'm just being practical here. And I want to say this. God blesses different ways of healing. You might not believe this, but this is true. We've tried to put God in a box. God only heals this way. This is the only way that God heals. First question we should ask is, uh, how are you going to heal this person? I know, God, you're going to heal this person. How? Shocking, it might be surgery. You know, it could be. You know, Dad killed that deer there the other day, and we got to looking at thing, wasn't it? But it had had a broke leg, and its bottom part of its leg was crooked. I mean, it it was healed, but you know, it was it was crooked. Do you believe that God may bless the hands of the surgeon and the knowledge and give the surgeon knowledge and wisdom to heal you? I mean, I do. So God can heal by way of surgery. Sometimes it's, it's needful. But, you know, we can get so religious with that. Oh, no, I'm not, I'm not going in for surgery either. God's like, well, that may be the way you get healed. I mean... It may, it, it may be certain herbs. I mean, you know, I know the, the, the bomb of Gilead referring to, to Jesus Christ, but they were really mixing up herbs and making stuff to heal. You know, there are certain herbs and things out there that are actually really good for you and bring nutrients and healing to your body and relaxation to your body. I mean, there really are. Now, we, we take that away, but where did that come from? And, and so... We can't, certain vitamins, or it might be a miracle. I mean, how, God, I know you're going to heal them. How? It might be gradual. You know, somebody, somebody may have super duper high blood pressure, and, and the healing to bring that blood pressure down may be, may be through nutrition and diet and exercise and all of these things that go in play, and it may gradually come down. God is doing it gradually, and He's, he's working in so many different ways. But we just think, oh, it's got to be this way or it's not God. We can't think like that. I, I, we need the mind of God on this. Let's not say stupid things and put people under guilt and, and, and bondage, condemnation. So what is the will of God? It's, it's all that we've said. But then understand that the covenant documents, I want, do you realize this is a, a covenant document? The Bible is a collection of covenant documents. What does that mean, covenant documents? Yeah, I asked some people, some, what does covenant mean? They have no idea. It's like Dad said, they have a contract, God. I do this, you do that. Covenant means what he has committed to do. What he has committed himself to do. So the Bible here is a book of the self-revelation of God. We don't know who God is unless He tells us, unless He shows us. We can't figure Him out. We're never going to figure Him out. If He don't reveal it, we can't. Jesus said, no one knows the Father, save the Son. 
Only God knows who God is. So Christianity is the religion of a self-revealing God. All else is idolatry. So from the very beginning, he reveals himself. And in the Hebrew terminology, this is how he would do it. They would say, what is your name? What is your name? You know, well, I would say, well, my name is Jim. Well, to a, uh, I'm not talking about a handle that you go by. To a Hebrew, your name was a revelation of who you are. So God is revealing himself to them. Moses asked, what is your name? So name is a revelation of who you are. So God revealed his name and that he, that he kept giving them little sentences that were doorways into his heart. He says, I'm El Shaddai. You guys have probably studied the names of God before. There's, there's many names of God in the scriptures. I won't go through them all, but, but, but he says, I'm El Shaddai. What does El Shaddai mean? El Shaddai means the breasted one, the nourisher. The mother who embraces her little child and nourishes her and, 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 and feeds her child. He's El Shaddai. So that was a sentence. He said, I am the El Shaddai, the breasted one. So he's giving them these little sentences. He said, I'm Yahweh Yira. Uh, there in the, I'm there in the nick of time. When I, I come in the day of need. I'm there, right on time. The right on time, God. So they said, ah, he's El Shaddai. He's, Yeho, he's Yahweh. And, and then he says, I'm Yahweh uh, Nisi. The Lord, our banner. What's that mean? He fights for us. And we could go on and on and on and on and with, with the names of God. And always what's he doing? He's revealing who he is. We would never know unless he reveals to us who he is. He's invisible. And at the heart of it all, God is love. We never thought of that. People still don't think of that today. He's all of these things, but we don't know God is love. And you're never going to figure that out. We've never figured out that He's compassionate, that He's abounded in love and kindness. We couldn't know that. We can't know that. God had to tell us. God had to show us. How did He do that? He did that in the person, in the face of the Lord Jesus Christ. All other religions of the world begin in the, in the, in the mind of man. That's why John told us, keep yourselves from idols. That is what I think God is like. That's the reason it's so, so important that you might know Him, because then you know. So the Bible is the book that says, this is what I'm like. It's the book that reveals His name. Yahweh, we've been talking on Wednesday about the revelation. Yahweh, Jesus Christ is the I Am. And I can say this, anything that God has revealed about himself is forever true. I never again have to wonder or pray if God is the one who supplies my needs. He's already revealed it, right? So, I mean, in the midst of whatever, I know he's the supplier, right? No matter what, I, I mean, it's, it's settled. 
He's already Yahweh Yira. He said, I'm the good shepherd. I don't have to, I don't have to pray about that, Noah. It's in the covenant documents. He's committed himself. It's done. And, you know, I mean, we talk about, you know, loss sometimes. You know, sometimes we can get out in left field. But you know what? Every time, I'm not scared anymore. Because if I believe something that's way off, wacky, way out in left field, he's a good shepherd. You know what he'll do? He gently always brings me back. So it don't matter. Yeah, I mean, I can, I can believe something. You know, people say, oh, believe a lie and be damned. Oh, and I run around having panic attacks because I'm believing the wrong thing. He's already committed that he's the good shepherd. Now, what's the good shepherd do when the sheep gets lost? Oh, my God, he carries you right back. I mean, this is fun, isn't it? Because he knows how my brain works. You know how he knows that. He made it. He knows I can be pretty weird and believe some crazy things. And, you know, he knows, hey, got to go get him again. It's in the covenant document. He's committed himself. To that. He's not only shepherd, he's the good shepherd. And we, what's that make us? We're the people who do what? Call on the name of the Lord. How he's revealed himself to us. And, and see, all of this is personal, guys, because you, each one of you, have to know these things. I mean, I know personally uh, Jehovah Nissi. I, I know that. I know the Lord is my banner. I mean, I know I've experienced that. Not that God has went out and just pummeled people for me, but I've seen Him do things on my behalf for His own namesake, for His own glory that I couldn't even dream up. I've watched Him. I have watched Him separate things and move things that, my goodness, that I I, I still am in awe of. I mean, it just, it's in the covenant documents. We call on His name. We call on who God says He is. We are the people who are called by His name. That is, we're the people that are the living demonstration that God means what He says. Living demonstration. I'm going to tell you what. I mean, I, I'll give you an, an example, you know. I, I've told you about, the, you know, the stories in Chicago and all of this, but I'm telling you, just when I was getting my feet back on the ground, I'm down in Charlotte, North Carolina, and I haven't, don't have the kids down there with me yet, and I'm down there, and they're running me all over Dodge, and, and then finally, I'm, I bring the kids down, and the big boss, the big boss, he run the whole division, he says, I need you to go here, and I said, I can't go here. He said, why is that? I said, I got my kids, Zach is three years old or four years old, I can't go. And he said, the railroad is no place for a single dad. You need to get another job. You know, what am I going to do? I'm mad. I'm upset. I'm thinking, God just brought me out of all of this mess, and here I am, and now this big boss is, is doing all of this stuff. And, and, you know, I didn't know him as Jehovah Nissi. I didn't know the Lord is my banner. But here I am, and I don't know, and I'm just calling on the Lord. I don't know who he is. And I'm telling you, exactly a week later, that guy got a phone call. He's out of there. He's going to Atlanta. He's down in Greenville, South Carolina, crying like a baby, saying, Oh, my kid's about to graduate high school, and we got to move, and he won't be able to spend his year at home. I said, Good riddance. I've seen the mighty hand of God. 
I stayed, he left. Jehovah, I knew, I knew the Lord is my banner. Now, I, I mean, so now it's not in arrogance, but I know who he is. I know who's on my side. I know, you know what? But I had to be in the big storm. It sucked. I'm telling you, it sucked. Because I didn't know what I was going to do. The guy was wanting me to get another career, get out, of, get out of there, to leave the railroad. I didn't know nothing else. But I know, so now I think, yeah, I know who he is now. So I have confidence that he hears me. So I ask you, do you know the name of the Lord? I mean, how he reveals himself to us? I know him as provider, Lord have mercy. When you've lost it all and you got nothing left, you learn him as provider. You know who he, I mean, you can't know he's, he steals the storm and tell your boat's about to sink. Now see, we, we want all of this other stuff, but you can't know, you can't know he's the provider until you're about to starve to death, can you? You can't know he's the Lord who fights for you until you're in the battle. And and today we're raising a bunch of wimpy, pansy people who don't want to be hungry or in the storm or in no battles. No, just tell me God's going to give me my breakthrough. No. He's going to put you in the boat and he's going to say, go to the other side. And you're going to be so cotton-picking scared and the water's going to be coming in. And you're going to think the Lord is asleep and you're going to be bailing water. And you're going to be wringing wet with sweat and you're going to be cold. And you wonder, why did I do this? And when he says, peace be still, what a revelation. What a revelation. A revelation that only the storm could bring. So I'm not praying for people to get out of the storm. You understand? I'm praying for him who is asleep in the back of their boat. For them to call on his name. How did they call on him? Lord, don't you care? That was how I prayed down there in Charlotte. I'm telling you, Lord, don't you care? Here I am trying to go back to church. I'm trying to get my life back. At this time, I didn't know nothing. Lord, I'm trying to. Don't you even care? Oh, yeah. He needed that. He needed it. He shows off sometimes. I'm telling you, he just does. And I'll say this, if you want to know the will of God, search the scriptures. See who he is. See what his name is. When you go through and he, every time he reveals his name, just look at that. I mean, here's Abraham and he reveals his name. He's the Almighty. I mean, why would you need to know he's the Almighty? What situation prompted that? Every one of the, I love to study the names of God. I got a whole book on all the names of God. I've read many times and, and it's, it's. It's awesome. You search the scriptures. You know what Jesus said? Hey, you guys, I know you're searching the scriptures, but guess what? They testify me. So the will of God here, I mean, it's not something you just cook up. It's what, I mean, what, what is in the covenant documents? What rights do I have to call on the name of God? What right do you have to call on the name of God? Who do you think you are? Let me tell you what, I know my rights. I want you to know your rights. you got a right to. You know you have a right to remain silent? Well, let me tell you another right. You have a right to call on the name of God. I mean, which is it? you got a right to remain silent. In the, in the court, anything you say can and will be used against you. But i got another right. And I want to exercise this right. I declare... 
Paul says, unto you the unknown God. I, you know how I got a right to call on his name? Because he told us to. He's the one that said it. Anyone shall call on the name of the Lord. It shall be saved. I got a right to. You got a right to. Anybody's got a right to. Why? So he could be who he is. So we better find out who he is. Yeah. And I want to tell you something. It's a lifetime project. And I know as you search the scriptures and you look and the Holy Spirit will lead you to certain parts of the scriptures like he did this morning. The whole city was given over to idolatry. Grieve Paul's heart. It grieved mine. I couldn't put a finger on it. And I see it's idolatry. He didn't say demon and all of this other stuff. He said idolatry. They had a wrong impression of who God is. And now, I mean, this, no, oh, I, could, I could go on. But when, when, when the Holy Spirit will lead you to scriptures that uniquely apply to the mountain that's right in front of you. How many times has he done that? Just some verse and, and some couple verses, and wow, I'm in this situation, and, no, and then there it is. There it is. To me, I always say it just stands up right off the page. And then right there, then you've got it, right? Then I have this confidence. And I can, I can say this too. If God has revealed it to you and done it in your life in the past, He plans on doing it again. Right? I mean, I go into other situations. That, I mean, you know, again, the Lord is my banner. I've, I've consulted that many times to go back there. But you know what? It's, there's this one time when you're in it when it's a nervous, you're a nervous wreck. You don't know what you're going to do. And there's, there's another time when I rest knowing the Lord is my banner. I don't know how He's going to do it. I mean, I, I don't, but I know that He is. And I rest in it. See, there is a rest left under the people of God. See, at one time you're over here in the storm, but see now, next time you get, after you've been in the storm and He says, peace be still, the next time you're in the boat and it's sinking, you know what you'll do? You'll go snuggle up to Jesus in the back of the boat and sleep on the same pillow He's sleeping and let the other people up our bale of water all night because they need to learn the same thing that you've already learned. He might not do it the same way, but he'll do it. Let me, let me give you uh, this verse, 2 Corinthians. You guys know this verse. Chapter 1, verse 20. For all the promises of God, all that's contained in the covenant documents. Most people don't even know what's in there. They don't. They don't know all these promises. All the promises of God in Him. Who's the Him? Jesus. <coughs> what are they? Yes. Yay. Just That's pretty plain, isn't it? Plain? Yes. All the, all the promises. I thought they was just for the elite, for the sum, when they got prayed up, read up, did all this other stuff. Exactly right. All the promises of God. All the promises of God. Just plain yes. And you know what that means? It means he means it. And in him, amen. He says yes, and we say amen. All to the glory of God. How do you know the will of God? Bottom line, 
The will of God lives in you. It's not a thing. It's a person. The will of God is revealed in this person who won the right that the will of God should be done on the earth. He won the right. Now remember, where were we? Slave to sin. In bondage of sin and death. Under the curse. I wish I could get people to see. I wish I could get people to see anything. And I'm telling you, guys, everybody in this world, you're either in Christ or you're in Adam. There's nobody else. In Christ, all the promises of God are yes and amen. In Adam, you're under the wrath of God. There's no middle ground. You're either blessed or cursed. There's no middle ground. That's where you're at. Blessed or cursed. Now, all at one time was under the bondage of sin and death, the curse. All was. The will of God couldn't be done. It couldn't be done. I mean, you couldn't pray, Thy kingdom come, Thy will be done. That prayer wasn't there until Jesus said for us to pray it. It was locked up, bound. Let me show you some verses here. Revelation chapter 5. Here's John swept up into heaven. He sees one throne. One that sat on the throne was to look upon like Jasper. Rainbow around about the throne. Chapter 5, and I saw on the right hand of him that sat on the throne a book written within and on the backside sealed with seven seals. The book, here's a book. And I saw a strong angel walking around to everybody, you know, all these elders and everybody that's around the throne and proclaiming to everyone in the world who was worthy. I mean, this has been shouted throughout time and space. Who is worthy to open the book and to loose the seals that are? People don't even know the question, but the, the, the question is coming. Who is worthy? Who is worthy? The question comes to me all the time. I talk to this guy sometimes, and he still has the question. Who is worthy? Who is worthy? None of us is worthy. None of us is worthy. No man in heaven nor in earth, neither under the earth, was able to open the book, to take the book and look thereon. Nobody's worthy. And John wept much. The whole world is weeping. The whole world is, the cry on their heart is, get us out of here. Nobody can do this. No, nobody can, oh, it's over. I mean, evil has won. Nobody's worthy. We can't overcome this. John got caught up in the same thing. And John began to weep. And not just weep, he's crying profusely here. He wept much because no man was found worthy to open the book and read the book, neither to look thereon. But one of the elders said unto me, Weep not, John. Behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, hath prevailed to open the book and to loose the seven seals thereof. 
John is in the, in the floor crying his eyes out and he hears this and, he, and he, he raises up and he looks and he beheld. You know what that is? I mean, that's the word behold. He looks with this astonishment, this amazement. That's what behold means. Behold is, is, is finding a rose bush in full bloom in, the, in, in, you know, in, in the middle of a blizzards. Something ain't right. You know, behold, this, this is not normal. Something is not right here. Uh, it, it's too amazing. I, I can't believe it. I beheld and lo in the midst of the throne. Do you ever, do you ever go? I remember J.W. Uh, telling me one time he was reading this and, and he looked in the midst of the throne and the four beasts and in the midst of the elders stood a lamb as it had been slain. And J.W. said, I closed my book and I patted it and I says, what is he doing there? What is a slam lane, a slain lamb doing in the throne of God? I thought he was all the way back over there. Now here he is on the throne. I saw a lamb. Uh, stood as a lamb as it had been slain, having seven ha- horns and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God sent forth into all of the earth. And he came. Who's this one? He came. The, this, this, this lamb that had been slain. This lion of the tribe of Judah. The root of David. He's prevailed. He came. Whoever this person is. This mystery person. Who we don't know who it is. But he's the, he's the one I've been seeing here. He came and took the book out of the right hand of him that sat on the throne. Come right up. Here's this book written and sealed. Everything that was for you and me sealed. We're cut off from it. And this guy came and took the book. Who is this guy? We was weeping. The whole world is shut off, right? The whole world is shut off. Who is this guy? And when he had taken the book, the four beasts or the four living creatures and the four and twenty elders fell down before the Lamb, whoever this Lamb is, having every one of them harps and golden vials full of odors, which are what? The prayers of the saints. What were the prayers? Psalm 2, ask and I'll give. Well, Lord, we're asking that it can't be done. We, we can't do it. Who is this son? And every one of them now are singing. This. They got prayers now. Everyone, so every, all of their prayers now, all of their prayers are being brought right there. This one, he's taking the book. They open the book. They begin to sing a new song. And what was the new song? Thou art worthy. Oh yeah, whoever this lamb is, thou art worthy. Oh yeah, to take the book and to open the book and loose the seals thereof. Why is he worthy? Because thou wast slain. Yeah, behold the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. That book was sealed. Sin had locked us up and bound us up. And it, I mean, who could go free? None could go free. Thou art worthy, thou wast slain, and hast redeemed us to God by the blood out of every kindred, tongue, people, and nation. And you know what? God could have just opened up the book and said, okay, go free. But He didn't. He didn't just do that. What's the next verse? And made us... Unto our God, kings and priests. And we shall reign on the earth. I mean, this goes all the way back to Genesis, doesn't it? Let them have dominion. 
My gosh, he's brought the whole thing back. What was that book? I'm telling you, that book was the will of God. The covenant document. The will of God for you and me. You know, we were kept on. You ever read Deuteronomy 28? All the blessings of God, we were cut off. It was all there, sealed up. We couldn't, we couldn't get it. We were stuck under the curse and wrath of God. The chains of the devil, that's where we were. But now, the book has been opened. It's been made available to every person that the blood of the Lamb of God was shed for. And pray tell me who is left out of that. It's finished. He is the will of God and the promises of God flow from Him. Jesus is this Lamb of God. Behold the Lamb of God. Jesus is the final revelation of God. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to quit right here. One, one more verse here. Everything that God said in the Old Testament comes to its fullness in Jesus, who is the express image of the person. And what does it say about Jesus? To Him is what? Given a name which is above every name. Listen. That at the name of Jesus, at the revelation, what did Jesus come to do? To reveal the Father. He's the ultimate revelation of the Father. And what, what happens at that revelation? Every knee should bow, things in heaven, things in the earth, things under the earth. Every tongue should confess what? That Jesus Christ is Lord. For what reason? To the glory of God the Father. What is the glory? Glorious to reveal enough who He really is. Then He says, because of that, because of that, wherefore, my beloved, as ye have always obeyed, not also my presence only, but how much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Not work for salvation. Work out. You know what he's saying right there? Bring the salvation that you've received that was bought with such a heavy price. This book was open. Bring the salvation that God has given you now that the book is open to its fullest potential. And do that with reverence and awe. Not afraid he's going to take it away. For it is God which worketh in you both to will and to do of His good pleasure. He works that desire right inside of you. As I told you, when, when that person is before you and you notice them, who, who's, eye, who's looking through your eyes? He is. And I'm going to close with this. Chapter 4. Therefore, my brethren. Paul goes through this whole discourse here in Philippians. Therefore, my brethren. Conclusion. My longed for. My joy, my crown. Stand fast in the Lord, my dearly beloved. Stay there. Don't let anybody draw you out. I'm going to skip down. Verse 4. Rejoice in the Lord. Always again, I say rejoice. He didn't, I mean, Paul doesn't give us much else to do, does he? He didn't say complain in the Lord. He said rejoice in the Lord. Again, I'll say it again. I'll say it one more time. Rejoice again. Always rejoice in the Lord. Let your moderation be known unto all men. The Lord is at hand. I thought it was far away, up in heaven somewhere. The Lord's at hand. That's what he says. I didn't write it. 
Be careful for nothing. You ever just think about that? Be careful for nothing. It could be a little reckless sometimes who I'm praying for and how I'm going about this thing, ain't I? I I'm not. Uh, we, we'll get back into that verse sometime. Be careful for nothing. I don't know about you, but the gospel is exciting. I told this guy the other, the other day, and I said, Do you know what the Lord Jesus Christ is doing today? Real stern. Do you know? Do you know what he's doing today? I said, He's deer hunting. Oh, it just makes people mad. But you know what? He was deer hunting because he was in me. He was in dad. We were deer hunting. At, at, earlier, we were, at, earlier, he was clean, uh, gutting a deer. Let your moderation be known. Be careful for nothing. But in everything, by prayer and in supplication with thanksgiving, let your request be made known unto God. Known unto God. And the peace of God, which passes all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Jesus Christ. The, the peace of God that passes understanding shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. So you know what that means? My heart and my mind is in safekeeping. I know in this world sometimes we, we say we're going to give our hearts to each other. Before you do that, you better know where your own heart is and know who's got it. The Good Shepherd who is tender loving, ever compassionate brings no condemnation thou art worthy to take the book guys he did it he did it I'm gonna, I'll quit with that we'll, we'll, we'll get back in we're still looking at prayer